Welcome to CCFA Perspectives on ReachMD, providing Crohn's and colitis updates, driving innovation in IBD research, education, and clinical support. This series is produced in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Hi, I'm Dr. Leanne Chen, Assistant Professor of Medicine at New York University. We are here at the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America's annual conference in Orlando. This is CCFA Perspectives, Crohn's and Colitis Updates on ReachMD. Joining me today to discuss indications for surgery and IBD is Dr. Miguel Reguero, Professor of Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Miguel Reguero, welcome to ReachMD. Well, thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure. Now, one of the questions that we have for you is how long do you maintain patients on post-operative prevention therapies? I think it depends on the patient and based on their risk. So patients who are at high risk, so for example, patients who've had multiple surgeries, they have fistula, they're smokers, they're a very high-risk patient. They're actually patients that I would not stop treatment, and these are the patients who will recur. Conversely, the patient who's had one surgery, maybe for penetrating disease or for a stricture, those are the patients that usually at a year we're reevaluating them. And by three years, if they're still in a deep remission, we're talking about de-escalation. There are no data on this, but this is what I'm doing in my practice. Okay. And for your patients, when and how often do you screen endoscopically for recurrence after surgery for Crohn's disease? After surgery, the my screening protocol is usually doing a colonoscopy at six months, looking into the neoterminal ileum. And that's in all comers. That's in patients who I have on medications, patients who I don't have on medications. I think that's a really important question because I think we've learned a lot about postoperative Crohn's, and we realize we probably should look earlier than we had in the past. If it's six months, it's normal, then I will wait a year after that, and then based on the patient, we go from there. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to CCFA Perspectives, Crohn's and Colitis Update on ReachMD at CCFA's annual conference. I am Dr. Leanne Chen, and I'm speaking with Dr. Miguel Reguero, Professor of Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh. So, Dr. Reguero, in a Crohn's disease patient who's had an ileocecectomy, how do you decide which medication to use postoperatively and when to use that medication? So, I think that's an excellent question, and we heard a lot about this at the meeting today, and we're discussing this quite a bit over time. And again, I would stratify this based on risk. So if it's a low risk for recurrence, meaning first surgery, stricture, no inflammation, no fistula, no active disease that's left behind, that's a patient I would not put on a medicine, but at six months do a colonoscopy. However, if it's that moderate risk patient, which I would define as a patient who has a longer segment of disease, inflammatory component with a stricture, and they have their first resection, and it's within 10 years, it's within 10 years of diagnosis, that's a patient, if they've not been on treatment, metronidazole with azathioprine would be very appropriate. Many of my patients can't tolerate metronidazole, but that would be appropriate treatment. And then the high-risk patient, which is what I think we're most concerned about. These are the patients we see, second surgery, third surgery, penetrating disease, smokers, these are the groups of patients who will likely recur, especially if they've had more than one surgery. And that's the pearl I would like to remember, is that people who've had two or three or four surgeries, they're highest risk. These are the patients we start on biologics, and I'm usually using a combination of an anti-TNF with an immunomodulator like Imuran, 6-MP, or methotrexate. 
So I think you get a sense of differences based on risk and how we stratify to the most aggressive severe risk to the least aggressive low risk patient. So thank you for that question. So I have one final question for you, Dr. Agaro. Do you recommend colectomy and UC if low-grade dysplasia is discovered on random biopsies? That's an excellent question. It, again, depends, but let's answer the way I think the scenario would be. So meaning a patient has a colonoscopy, you take biopsies, you don't see a lesion, you don't see any inflammation, and a biopsy comes back and your pathologist says, oh, there's low-grade dysplasia, what do you do now? If you can see the lesion, that's different because the recommendation would be to resect that with a colonoscopy, basically a snare polypectomy. If you can't see the lesion is what I think you're asking. If you have not done a chromoendoscopy, that is a patient that we will bring back for a chromoendoscopy, and we're not pushing to automatically do a colectomy in that group of patients. And I think that's different now because our visualization of the colon and epithelium is better. If we do a chromoendoscopy and we're able to actually see distinct lesions, again, we resect them. If we do chromoendoscopy and then on random biopsies, we again find that there's multifocal low-grade dysplasia or low-grade dysplasia in normal colon, that would be a patient that needs a colectomy. Now, let's be realistic about this. That's a very rare scenario. So I think the single biopsy showing low-grade dysplasia I wouldn't push to surgery. I would do a chromo. If we can see a lesion, we resect it. Otherwise, we're not doing a colectomy in these patients as much as we had in the past. But don't forget, multifocal low-grade dysplasia, that's a high risk for cancer, and then I would recommend colectomy. Well, many thanks to our guest, Dr. Miguel Rigero, for joining us today. Thank you. And I'm your host, Dr. Leanne Chen. To access this episode and others in this series and to download the ReachMD app, please visit reachmd.com. We encourage you to leave your comments and share the program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. This has been CCFA Perspectives on ReachMD, produced in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. For access to this and other episodes, and to download the ReachMD app, visit reachmd.com forward slash CCFA.